Welcome to University Hill, located on the campus of the University of British Columbia in beautiful Vancouver. Each week, we gather on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. We worship, sing, pray, and engage with scripture as we seek to grow in faith and as followers of Jesus. We pray that this podcast of scripture passages and sermons preached will bless your own faith journey. And of course, you're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning. Check out uhill.net for a Zoom link and more information. The second reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, you are now dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and the sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was a of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there um, with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who are looking for redemption of Jerusalem. Um, When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, They returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. It seems right and good that the Feast of Fools is the clerical holiday. I like that. (laughs) Let's, uh, Let's pray together. Holy God, for the gift of your word, we give you thanks and praise for this chance to be uh, together again in this season where we do wonder at the wonders of your love. Uh, We pray that we would know that love deeply this morning, that you'd open us up to what you have for us and to one another. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds on these scriptures would be acceptable in your sight. We pray in the name of Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So um, I, I love Christmas Eve, right? I, I, even this year when things are kind of weird and strange, it, it was so good to come back to the story together again, to think about it again, to, to hear the angels' glad tidings of great joy, the shepherd's breathless wonder. You know, 
Christmas Eve is always kind of one of those those thin spaces for me, right? The, a time when heaven and earth really do feel like they're only a breath apart. It, it's always, of course, a, a bit of a mad rush, but the Holy Spirit seems to like to take that chaos and shape it into something beautiful. So, so I just love Christmas Eve, and I and, and I love I love Christmas morning. I love our Christmas morning service at U Hill. I love that we do that, e- even though we weren't gathered around the communion table in the chapel this time around. It was so good to pause from the other things of the day, uh, to gather as, as we could and sing and sit with the scriptures and to share in the Eucharist, to taste and see that God is good. I just love that service. I, I, I love those special times, right? All the high holidays, but maybe Christmas especially. They're, they're, they're disruptive times. Uh, Aaron Anderson mentioned on, on Christmas Eve that, that night church is just kind of, is kind of more exciting because we, it's just different, right? And there, there's something about showing up uh, at a time when we wouldn't normally to, to remind us that there, there's something unusual going on. You know, we mess up our schedules just to come to worship. How marvelous. And it's not like the other Sundays that sort of roll around again week over week as predictable as anything. These, these, the disruption of these services points us to the fact that they tell us something extraordinary. I, I love those special disrupted times, but I, I, I want to make a claim this morning, and I, I may have made it before, but I stand by it. And that is that I think today is more important. And maybe not more important, you know, it, maybe that's not quite the right way. It's probably not a good thing to rank our, our worship. Uh, but here's the thing, right? Today, tomorrow, next week, every moment from now on tells us something about what we believe about what we've sung and prayed and celebrated this week. What we believe about Christmas has less to do with what we do in those special times than what we do when things get back to normal, when the routines return. And I know we're still in that kind of liminal holiday time when when we might not be quite sure what day it is, and, and yes, we've had too much cheese and whatever to eat, and and some of the seasonal magic is still lingering. We're we're not quite back to normal, uh, but now is still the time when the rubber hits the road. Now, now is the time when we start uh, again to figure out what the good news of great joy looks like in our everyday lives, in our work, in our play, in our spending, in our serving, in, in classrooms, in boardrooms, and checkout lines. Now, we, we've said and sung this week that, that heaven and earth have come together in Christ. That the word who was with God and is God became flesh. We, we've said and we've sung that that makes all the difference. That it changes everything. That it transforms the world. And now we get to figure it out. And I, I think we have to figure out what that difference looks like. And, you know, I, I think it begins with learning how to say it again. How to speak it. To, today, outside of the special times. How do we talk about what's happened? I mean, it's good news, right? And good news demands to be told. I think, I think it's really interesting to pay attention to the fact that in Luke's gospel, in the first couple chapters, the, the folks who see Jesus as he really is can't shut up about it, right? They, they, they can't keep it to themselves. Remember Mary and Elizabeth you know, rejoicing and embracing praises pouring out of both of them. Remember the shepherds glorifying and praising God, rushing to see, singing and dancing and telling anyone who will listen of what they'd seen and heard. And today we have Simeon and Anna bursting at the seams. Everyone from the most likely to the least, from the favored one to the 
often overlooked ones from the young that the shepherds might well have been kids right we never really think about that but think about the first time we meet king david in the old testament he's out minding the sheep because he used to run to the litter right so the the the, the shepherds might well have been young and we've also got the old Samian and anna we just heard are of a great age everyone's joining their voices to tell what's happened what god has done i mean it's awfully noisy and it confronts us with the fact that this is something different and that difference demands a testimony. And it might well make our kind of United Church of Canada mainline selves squirm that it's so vocal. I mean, these folks are talking in public about what they've seen and heard and what a difference it makes. And if you grew up like me in, in contexts where it was all right if you had faith, but it wasn't really appropriate to tell anyone about it, sometimes even in the church, then these kinds of stories might make us a little uncomfortable. And if you're like me and you've always kind of liked the much overused instruction to preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary, then it's kind of unnerving to see how chatty people get in the company of the Christ child. And, and, and the thing is, maybe there was a time in history when everyone who was, uh, everyone was so familiar with the biblical kind of version of the way things are that you didn't really need to tell anyone. It was just kind of in the air. But I think it's safe to say, certainly in Vancouver, that, that day is not our time. You know, the, the news of the Christmas story is every bit and more surprising now than it was the first time around. And we who've seen it need to figure out how to tell about it. Now, the teacher and preacher Tom Long has a book called, it's called Testimony, uh, Talking Ourselves into Being Christian. <laughs> And, and I think that subtitle is kind of telling. It's a bit provocative, right? But his case is that part of figuring out how to live what we believe is just learning how to say it before we can figure out what it means for our work, for our families, for our budgets. We need to learn, be able to say something about what difference it all makes. What difference does it make that the word through whom and for whom all things were created became flesh and lived among us? What difference does it make that, that, that somehow this is our God who refuses to grasp at the glory that is rightly his, but instead empties himself and shows up in the breathtaking vulnerability of a newborn? I always forget how, how fragile, how helpless, how delicate newborns are until I have one in my hands. And, and that, that God did that all for the sake of love, to love us and to love this world. What difference does it make that that's true? That this is how things are. That What difference does it mean to say with Simeon this impossible thing? That in this eight-day-old baby, uh, we see the shape, or that this is the shape in which our eyes have beheld the salvation of our God. I think we all need to be able to say something about that. And it doesn't have to be a perfectly articulated systematic theology. Uh, I mean, it could just be the beginnings of a wonder. This is the wildest thing, after all. We don't have to tame it with fancy theological words. And I confess that I, I am not a natural evangelist. Uh, talking about my faith in front of a pulpit <laughs> out, out in the world is, is not really much easier for me than for anyone. My job sometimes opens a door, but as often as not, it, it closes it. <laughs> right? If you want to stop a conversation or have one you don't want to have, let someone know you're a pastor. Uh, and anyways, I want to pay really close attention to the fact that the folks making all the noise in these stories are not trained religious professionals. They're a decidedly mixed 
group of lay folks who just happen to take God seriously. Yeah, I heard someone say recently that a theologian is anyone that has two thoughts about God to rub together. Uh, most of us have more than that, I think. So I want to challenge you this week. Here's a challenge for you, because there's not much going on and you're not going anywhere. I'm going to do this too. Um, challenge for this week. This is for adults. This is for kids. Uh, parents, you can do this with your children. Spouses, you might want to do this together. You know, sit down, get a piece of paper, find some quiet time. Get a piece of paper and a pen, or if you're a journal, journaler, get your journal out. If, if you want to type on a laptop, sit at your laptop and write down, write it down. What difference does Christmas make for you and for this world? Get as detailed as you can. You know, pick your favorite carol. Pick your favorite carol and write down what difference it makes if those beloved words are not just sentimental church songs that we dust off once a year, but the facts of our lives. Sit with the Christmas story. Read the first couple chapters of Luke and ask yourself, ask God, pray about it. Don't do it on your own. Do it as an act of intimacy with the God who adores you. What difference does this make? And if you have to wrestle a blessing out of that question, it's okay. It doesn't have to be perfectly and immediately clear. But do it and then, then hold that piece of paper up to your life. Hold it up to our life as a congregation see where things line up and maybe where they don't you know because of course we, we all we do come to the fact that this isn't all about words all, all word the words in the world don't make a difference if they don't shape our lives I, I mean this is the time when we're most keenly aware that words words want to become flesh you know the preacher will williman says that uh uh, what we do with our time is a theological statement. You know, how we live and move and have our being tells what we think about God. I, I've never liked that line much. What we do with our time is a theological statement. Not, not because I think he's wrong, but because I'm afraid he's right. <laughs> I mean, that's a convicting fact. What we do with our time is a theological statement. How, how we live on this side of Christmas tells way more about what we believe happened than any of our most beloved carols. I, I'm struck by Simeon's words in today's passage that, that Jesus, even as a baby, will be a sign. And I think it will be a, he means that he'll be a sign of how God is. That he will be a sign that will be opposed and that that opposition will reveal the inner thoughts of many. You know, in Luke's gospel, it's, it's there that Jesus will grow up to ask this devastating question. Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? <laughs> and that's always felt like kind of a gutting challenge to me, and maybe it does to you too. But here's the thing. Let, let's remember, as we do this, that this is about good news of great joy for all people. That's what the angel says, right? And if there's something in our lives that doesn't line up with the will and way of Jesus, if there's something in our lives that, that doesn't make sense of what we believe about him, then giving it up or changing course is not bad news. It, it may not be easy, but it will be good. And that's what repentance is, right? Doing a different thing in faithful response to what God has done. Not being conformed or confined, but being transformed and refined. And it's always about making us more whole and not less. It's always about more hope, more peace, more joy, more love, never less. That's what God wants for us. 
someone I follow on social media posted a quotation the other day from someone I've never heard of. So I might be taking it completely out of context, but, but I like it. The guy's name is Roll, Rollheiser. No idea who that is. In any case, he says, our, our society knows how to anticipate an event, but not how to sustain it. Our society knows how to in, anticipate an event, but not how to sustain it. And I, I don't know if he was talking about Christmas, but he might as well have been. I mean, the decorations have been up, the carols have been playing in stores for months. And though I haven't been in a store in the past couple of days, I bet most of the decorations are down and the channel has changed. And I know that in the church, we're still in this season of Christmas, as Aaron said, you know, we, we have a built-in mechanism for helping us linger a little longer. We're, we're, we're still singing carols. Some of us have been to church three times in the last four days. That helps. Uh, but even so, I, I, I want to sustain this thing for more than a season, right? I want to let God do God's Christmas thing in me, in us again and again and again. I, I want God to birth the hope of the world in our lives, not just for a few days, but for all our days. I want to learn with Mary to say again and again, let it be with me according to your word. I want to remember with everything we've got, with whatever we do, that, that Christmas tells us the kind of God we have. The God that will shrink the distance from heaven to earth to the size of a newborn. Who will go to breathtaking lengths just to convince this world that it's loved. To let us know that we are loved beyond measure. I want to remember that this, this child will show us that God will love us right to the end and then through it. That God has not only overcome the distance between heaven and earth, but in the death and resurrection of Jesus, God has destroyed the power of everything that would keep us from him. I want to remember with, with everything we've got, whatever we do, that we're made for good news of great joy. We're made for good news of great joy. And that good news of great joy is for all people. I, I want to let that fact set us free from the burdens that weigh us down and the chains that bind and the stuff that keeps us from living as people of hope and peace and joy and love and spur us to be that kind of people for the sake of the world, to be good news for the poor, to set captives free, to restore sight to sin dim eyes and to be a people who proclaim the, the, the favor of the Lord. I want, I want that for us as individuals. I want it for us as a church because it's what we're made for, to be a people who proclaim the favor of the Lord. And I want to pay attention to that, the fact that today's gospel reading ends as mundanely as the whole thing started. You know, back in Nazareth, in a home, in a family, in a village that nobody thought much of or, or went to if they could help it which reminds us that this thing that God has done in Christ is not just meant for special seasons and times, but it's meant to take shape in our whole lives, our whole everyday and glorious lives. So may it be so. Amen.